When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Bitcoin is shrugging off the banking turmoil and staging another strong rally. Ethereum is also in the news with some big developments, and the Shanghai upgrade officially has a date, and Arbitrum announces its airdrop. Plus, we have important changes coming at the end of this show. Welcome to the final Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. I'll tell you some more about that, those exciting changes at the end of this show. Uh, today, I'm joined by Mark Yusko. We couldn't be more thrilled to have Mark on. He's one of our favorite guests uh, to close out Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Mark, we've had you on the show uh, when we first went live uh, as a daily show, so it feels incredibly appropriate to have you with us again today. Welcome back. No, thanks for having me and, and, and really you know, excited to be part of this auspicious uh, final day. And I, I'm going to dive in because I'm going to make a big, bold statement, right? I, I'm taking full credit for the 30% pump in Bitcoin and crypto over the last week. Like, well, why, why would you say that? Well, a week ago, everyone was freaking out, right? SVB, you know, Friday, everyone was freaking out. And uh, I put on the Bitcoin orange pants. I put <laughs> on my Genesis block socks. And I said, look, look what it says, right? Chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks. Bailouts are good for Bitcoin and for crypto, and, and sure enough. But today, I'm wearing something different. So today, I got the green pants on. It is St. Patrick's Day, but I got the, the big green candles, and I have the Bitcoin bowl. The Bitcoin bowl socks are on today, along with the green pants. And then I got the, the, the Guinness uh, black on top, because I will be having a few Guinness later uh, to celebrate. But thanks for having me on. Pretty excited to be here, and, and let's dive in. I love it. I've never seen a more auspicious uh, dress for this show. There you go. I, uh, I like to prepare. Like You're to prepare. well, incredibly well prepared and very appropriate for the day. Uh, look, let's talk a little bit about price action here. We're seeing a big rally in crypto prices. Of course, as Mark joins us, the total crypto market cap is up more than 5% on CoinGecko. Bitcoin is up another 7% over the past 24 hours alone. A little earlier, across the 27,000 mark for the first time since Last summer, it's currently trading at 26,800 or thereabouts. This means Bitcoin's price has pretty much gone up by a third on a trailing seven day basis. Obviously a big move. Ether has been a bit of a laggard relative to Bitcoin lately. Ether is up 5% in the past 24 hours and up a more modest 20% on a trailing seven day basis, up a modest 20% uh, on a trailing seven day basis. Still sounds pretty good. The current price of ETH is 1,750. That's the highest since September. This comes as Ethereum developers announced the date 
for the highly anticipated Shanghai upgrade. Details on that later in the show. Uh, I should say, viewers, join us in the conversation. Put down your questions in the chat wherever you're watching. We'll ask the best ones on air later in the show. Remember, Real Vision members take priority, but the good news is, of course, Real Vision Crypto is free. With that said, uh, let's continue this great conversation with our guest. Uh, Mark, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Of course, we're going to have you on the new shows as well that we're going to be talking about at the end of this show. Uh, but give us your thoughts on the context of what happened uh, with the banking system here yeah. in the U.S., uh, some of the potential risks, uh, and also, as you mentioned, uh, why this is considered such a tailwind uh, from the perspective of bank bailouts for Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there are so many things to talk about here. One is you know, this crisis, and people are, are you know, calling it a crisis, is, is very different than, than the global financial crisis. And, and, and there's the, the core reason for that is the, the type of assets on the, the bank balance sheet. So if you think about a, a bank balance sheet, there's, there's the green, right? So St. Patty's Day, you got the green side, assets things that, that you know, derive value for, for the bank. Then there are the liabilities, the red. And the liabilities are actually our assets, right? We put our money in a bank and it becomes their money. That's one of the things that people don't really think about. It's no right. longer your money, it's theirs. And you have an IOU that is money good most of the time, but those liabilities, and in a perfect world, the assets, which are the loans that they make or the investments that they make, accrete value and the green becomes bigger than the red and it leaves you with some gold, right? pot of gold. And the gold is the equity of, of the bank. And in a normal functioning system, that gold grows as the green expands and people can get access to their, to their deposits. So if you think about what a bank does, it takes the deposits of everybody, the community puts their deposits in, and then it takes those deposits and makes loans. And those loans could be the form of a mortgage. We've all seen It's a Wonderful Life, where it's you know, about the building a loan and building other people's homes. It could be loans to businesses so they can you know, buy stuff or, or build products. Uh, but it can also be investments in yielding assets like bonds. So if you go back to previous crises, okay? So there was a crisis in 1907 called the Knickerbocker Trust Crisis. How did that happen? What happened there? Well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. JP Morgan um, was running the bank, you know, the big bank, JP Morgan, and, and there was this law passed that allowed trusts to compete. And JP was famously quoted as saying, I like a little competition. And unfortunately, Knickerbocker had become big and it was siphoning deposits out of JP Morgan. So he did whatever, what any, you know, enterprising bank owner would do. He spread a rumor about Knickerbocker Trust that they didn't have enough assets. And so we've all seen the picture of the bank run. Like if you go to Wikipedia and look up bank run, there's this picture of the men in their suits and ties and the women in their dresses and they're all in the umbrellas and they're running to Knickerbocker Trust. And the bank run happened and Knickerbocker Trust went out of business. And of course, JP Morgan bought it for pennies on the dollar and became superpower. Um, so that was, that was one kind of bank run. Then we had 1987 problem where you had bad people doing bad stuff. Like 
literally stealing money. So that was bad. And if you steal the assets, and if your assets, the green shrink to smaller than the, the red, and people then try to take their money out, there's no gold, right? Gold disappears. So Charles Keating and all those guys, they, they did bad stuff and people went to jail. Well, then we have the global financial crisis. Well, what was the global financial crisis? Well, the green was not so green. They made loans to, you know, imaginary people and people's third homes and interest-only loans and all kinds of crazy stuff that was never going to get paid back. And so again, the gold disappeared and had to be a bailout, which is why Bitcoin was born, right? I mean, the Genesis block is a picture of the Financial Times, you know, Chancellor on the brink of the second bailout for banks. And, and it's important that that day was the birth of Bitcoin because it's not like it was created that day. It had been worked on during the global financial crisis. It's actually been worked on for 20 years before that, cryptography and the, trying to solve the double spend problem. But it was critically important that it was on that day because it was basically saying that when, when a banking crisis happens, when there's a loss of confidence in a banking system, basically you vaporize the gold, right? You vaporize the value, the money at the base layer of, of the system. And therefore the currency, the credit, because the only money in the world, Ash, and you and I have talked about this, is gold, right? M money is an asset that exists in the absence of a liability. That's gold for 5,000 years. Now I'll argue it's Bitcoin for the next 5,000, but, but let's just say it's gold. And everything else is credit. JP Morgan famously said, gold is money. Everything else is just credit or debt. And so what happens is when, when you lose confidence, then all of a sudden the value dissipates and you have to devalue the currency by printing more of it, by fiat. And so that fiat fiasco, as I like to call it, my hashtag fiat fiasco, that goes on over and over and over again is when governments that overspend, banks foment that and facilitate that, and then you have to pay the piper and they can't, so they just print more money. And we saw it in 2020, right? We printed half of all the money that's existed in the history of our republic, 247 years, half of it in an 18-month period. So what should have happened? Well, gold should have doubled, but it didn't. Why not? Well, because JP Morgan's been spoofing the price, and that's a whole other story for another day. But the other asset did double. It almost perfectly doubled from 10 to 20,000, exactly as you would expect. That was Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, right? I got the sign behind me says buy Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, but we don't price Bitcoin in Bitcoin. We price Bitcoin in dollars. Other people price it in euros or yen or you know Argentinian pesos or Venezuelan bolivars. There's never been a bear market in Venezuelan Bitcoin prices. Not ever, or Turkey for that matter, because the lira just goes to toilet paper. So there's a long way of saying we're in a period where this time the banks didn't make a bunch of bad loans, didn't have a bunch of people stealing stuff. You didn't have a run on the bank caused by JP Morgan. What you had this time was 
the banks were bailed out through artificially low interest rates, through financial repression. Okay? What do I mean bailed out? Well, you fixed their balance sheets. Well, how did you do that? Well, in the global financial crisis, their balance sheets got wiped out. So the Fed said, we will cut interest rates to zero. You, the banks, can borrow from us for nothing. And you can buy government bonds at 1% or 2%, risk-free, lever it up 12 times, make lots of money. And so over the decade, bank balance sheets got healthy. All right. Then what happens? Well, then we have this problem. We incur these massive deficits after 2020 with the lockdowns, three to $4 trillion. Well, who's going to buy all those bonds? China said, nope, not buy them anymore. Japan said, nope, not buy them anymore. We've got to buy our own bond, Japanese government bonds. Russians aren't going to buy them. So who's got to buy them? The banks. So you've got to buy more bonds. And actually, you've got to start buying some longer bonds. You can't just buy the, the one and two year bonds. You've got to buy some longer data bonds. It's all good. Interest rates are low. We borrow at 25 base points. We invest at three, 4%. Ooh, now, that, that's, that's, now we're making lots of money. Well, a year ago, they said, you know what? Balance sheets are good. Now we're going to fix your income statement. How does a bank make money? They pay depositors very little and they charge their borrowers more. That's called a net interest margin, a NIM. And so if I'm paying depositors 1%, if you're lucky, and now I can lend or, or buy a government bond at 5%, oh, now that's awesome. Okay, but what happens if I bought a government bond and then interest rates go up? Oh, well, now I have an unrealized loss. So here's what happened. A week ago, you had a bunch of, and I use this term affectionately, Ash, dickhead, venture capitalists, as a technical term, um, that sent out letters to all the portfolio companies inciting a run on the bank. And they're like, we were just being prudent. Like, no, no, you weren't. So you stumbled across this analysis, this, is, this guy did, that said, hey, there's a bunch of unrealized losses at Silicon Valley Bank. So they're bankrupt. Like, well, they're only bankrupt if everyone tries to take their money out at the same time, which you just caused by telling your portfolio companies to take their money out. That's idiotic because those government bonds don't have credit risk. They are money good if you hold them to maturity. And most people don't need all their money today. What those companies need was enough to pay their payroll, enough to pay their bills. They didn't need to take it all out. But by doing that, you forced the bank to sell those bonds at a loss. Well, now you are eroding the value of the gold. You are eroding the value of the equity. Now you're creating panic. And so just like J.P. Morgan fomenting panic at Knickerbocker, you had these venture capitalists fomenting panic in their own bank, right? The bank that is the backbone of wealth creation and innovation in this country. They back the companies that the big banks want. Like my first, I tried to buy a house when I was newly married. I go to the bank, like I'd like, I'd like a mortgage. Like, well, if you deposit $50,000 with us, we'll lend you 100,000. If I had $50,000, I wouldn't be here, you idiots. So there has to be 
a banking system that allows for companies that don't have a lot of money in the bank, that don't have a lot of you know, uh, revenues yet, because it's an idea, to get banked. Just like you know, other industries that get put on the bad list. You know, the porn industry, not allowed to be banked years ago. And then they found ways to get banked. I love the fact, did you see this? That ethical, ethical private equity bought Pornhub. It's just mind blowing. You couldn't make that up. Yeah, brilliant um, naming. But but you know the the cannabis industry couldn't get banked. So what did they do? They found ways around it. Uh, in actually in crypto, crypto couldn't get banked, and then some banks did it. And now they attacked those. Ms. Warren, who you know, Tiger Woman. So anyway, I'm rambling a lot, but it it goes to keep going. We're not we're not in a crisis of of bad things being done and dumb decisions like we were with CDOs and CDO squared and, and financialization. We're in a government mandated mismatch of ass assets and liabilities, yes. But again, if I hold those assets to maturity, I'm getting paid. And so that is a very different thing than lending somebody's beach house interest only in a place where nobody goes anymore. That property is gonna go down in value and you're gonna lose money on that loan. Mm. So I, I struggle with a couple things. I struggle with one, why do people feel the need to incite a bank run, right? Bank runs bring up this whole age old thing about, you know, I, I hear the Bitcoin maxis and others saying, you know, fractional reserve banking, it's a fraud. It's a fraud from day one. You know, the day one, that company is bankrupt. Like, okay, time out, stop. I ask this question, I challenge anyone listening, okay? Name a country that either does not have or has a poorly functioning fractional reserve system, banking system that you would live to, that you would move to today. I'll wait. Can't do it. Can't do it. What separates the great countries in this world from the lousy ones, and by lousy, I mean tough places to live, dictatorships, et cetera, is well-functioning fractioners or banking. When the community comes together to pool risk and create wealth and innovation by funding businesses and asset ownership collectively through fractioners or banking, the world is a better place. Now, can it be abused? Can it be manipulated? You know, there's a reason the Rothschild family is the wealthiest family in the world, right? The wealth of the Rothschild family, single family, now it's a big family, like big, the bottom three quarters of all the people in the world, same wealth. One family, three quarters of people on the planet. Okay, so it can be manipulated for gain, but the good that's done by fractional reserve banking, off the charts. So we need it. And one of the things, Ash, I, I, I was on a, a Bitcoin Maxi uh, space and they're all going off about how fractures are banking. It should be against the law and it should be outlawed. And I'm like, okay, all you are talking big. How many people have a bank account? Like, what? Well, well, no, our money's in Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, how much of your net worth is in Bitcoin? Five, eight, 10, 20, 30? Where's the rest of the money? That doesn't count. <laughs> Where's the rest of the money? It's in a bank, isn't it? 
Okay. So don't talk to me unless you have a hundred percent outside the system, which there probably are a few people, but it's a very small minority. Don't talk about eliminating this great thing. Yes, we need rules. We need guide rails. We need, you know, straight as opposed to crooked politicians in charge, but, um, or regulators, but the system itself isn't the problem. It's the abuses of the system and, and the reality that a confidence game is okay at the root of progress because without it, there's that line in It's a Wonderful Life, Ash, where um, uh, George is talking to Mr. Potter and he's like, why does a building alone even need to exist? Well, you know how long it takes a working man to save up? to buy a home? Why shouldn't they live and work in you know, four, four walls and a roof that is funded by collectively the community? That's a better system, but it requires confidence and it requires lack of panic and, and, and some cooperation from that community. So anyway. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mark, this is why we wanted you on today, obviously. <laughs> it's 120 years uh, of banking history panics, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lots of context around everything that's happening right now. Talking of which, I want to bring this up uh, to the very moment here uh, with this story to get your view on it. Since we're talking about banks, uh, yesterday on this show, we brought you a story from Reuters, whose source said any potential buyers of Signature Bank we're being told that crypto activity at the bank should stop. This, of course, the U.S. crypto-friendly bank was shut down by regulators over the weekend, as most of our viewers know. The regulators have publicly denied they did so to send an anti-crypto message. After the publication of the Reuters report, FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, contacted Reuters to deny that buyers of Signature Bank would have to divest the crypto assets. Mark, what do you make of all of this? Uh, are you concerned about generally the access to the banking system from the crypto community oh see you're, you're you're reeling me in you're gonna you're gonna make me go down my rabbit hole <laughs> yeah look operation choke point is real uh it's big it's from the very very tippy top uh and it's the crypto i believe is the greatest technological innovation at crypto broadly, cryptography and the securing of assets using blockchain technology, not crypto. And you know, when it gets freaked out about, you know, Bitcoin only or just cryptographic security. Bitcoin, by the way, is a crypto. And let's just be very clear. It is a cryptographically secure technology run on a blockchain. It, it is a crypto, even though you don't want to call it that. But uh, this technology, I believe, 
is one of the, if not the great technology of our age, okay? And I believe 100% it is an evolution of computing power that is as inevitable as computing was, the internet was, the mobile net was, the truth net, as I call it, is inevitable. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Decentralized is superior to centralized, right? The fact that today we all use money, right? I don't, I don't carry money. What do I carry, right? I, I don't even have with me. I carry a black piece of plastic, this little card, okay? What is that? That's a database run by a centralized company, Visa, and once every 30 days, they settle up with my bank and they go to the base layer of money. Well, not the base layer, gold is the base layer, but they go to the L2 Fedwire mm. and they settle up. But that is a centralized system that is vulnerable to attack. I've had to change my visa number because they get hacked. It's vulnerable to uh, fraud or theft. There's huge trust, right? Just like Just like the banking system it's all about trust, right? I have a recurring nightmare, Ash, and not, not like every night, but you know, a couple times a year. I go to the ATM and I punch my code in and it says zero. <laughs> How would I prove it's not zero? I don't have any statements. I haven't had a statement in years. It's their word against mine. And if we go all the way back to, to the beginning of, of time, in the old days, I would lend you money and I would write down in my ledger, that you owed me $100, you'd come back a year later. And if I was a scrupulous person, I would take your 110 and we'd be even. If I was unscrupulous, if I was not trustworthy, I said, Ash, you owe me 220. You're like, no, I only borrowed 100. Says right here in the book, 200. There was no other book. So the Medici's 800 years ago said, all right, Ash, you keep a book, Mark, you keep a book. And we, the benevolent Medici's for a small fee, will decide which book is right. So, but here's the problem. If I'm not trustworthy, I can pay the Medici as a little something, something and change my book to 200 and yours is 100 and you come back and you're like, Medici's, what? Mark's book is the right book. I'm sorry, Ash, you owe him 220 because I paid. And it's all about trust. Well, now we have this third ledger that says whatever Mark wrote down, whatever Ash wrote down, yeah, that's important, but here's the arbiter of truth. And truth replaces trust. Okay, well, why did that matter? Well, before Bitcoin, before 2009, before the chancellor bailed out the banks, we didn't have a way to have digital money that was secure. We had the double spend problem, right? Just like a, a music file. If I had a music file and I went from analog record album to an MP3, I could make a copy and send you the copy. You didn't care if it was a copy or the original. It still played. The music industry cared a lot. So now we all use originals and we stream and we get charged and the artists get paid and it's superior. Same thing happened with money when Bitcoin was invented. So, but we were in a financial repression. So what happened is, the banks were paying depositors zero. They were buying government bonds at two or three, making lots of money. JP Morgan had zero negative trading days the last three years. Zero. You've traded before, I've traded. It's impossible to have zero negative trading days if you're actually trading. But if you're doing a riskless arbitrage, 
and taking advantage of depositors. So with the advent of Bitcoin and crypto and crypto lending firms, I could convert my fiat to crypto, deposit it someplace. They would pay me 6% for stablecoin or 8% for Bitcoin. And then they would lend that out to people who wanted to use it for trading or, or other purposes. And everybody pisses on the lenders and, you know, BlockFi and Celsius and yeah, Celsius and Voyager, bad systems because of the, the token. FTX, bad system because of the token. BlockFi, actually a good system, defrauded victims of FTX, topic for another day. But that, that system was draining assets from the banks. If a billion dollars leaves the banks, who cares? That's the first, they ignore you. 2009 to 2015, bunch of nerds and geeks playing with your magic internet money, who cares? Okay, then phase two, then they laugh at you. 2016 to 21, eh, billion, two billion, five billion, eight billion, ha ha, bunch of nerds and geeks playing with your magic internet money, ha ha, have fun. Then they fight you. 2022 to 2027, unfortunately, probably. Whoa, 100 billion? You, you took 100 billion out of the financial system? Well, no, wait a minute, our leverage can't handle that. If you take the deposits away, okay? If you take those deposits away, our gold dissipates. The equity value of our business goes away. So we can't allow that. So what do they do? They fight. Well, how'd they fight? Oh, we're gonna change the regulations. All you, all you people, you're, you're selling securities, but you said they're not securities. Well, I, I know, but, but, but now we're saying they are, and you need to pay us. Okay, that, that seems odd, but fine, okay? So that's one way. Well, then what's the other way? Oh, we actually can't turn off the technology, right? How many people have tried to hack Bitcoin? Lots. How many people have tried to stop Bitcoin? Lots. Can't do it. It's decentralized. You could shut down. You could you could shut down all the nodes in America. Right? You could make them all illegal. Won't kill Bitcoin. Right? It's not going to happen. So what do you do? On ramps and off ramps. You're going to attack the on ramps and off ramps. So what do they do? They go after Silvergate. They go after Signature. They got Silvergate down. Now look, Silvergate. There's probably some bad people doing some bad stuff. I, I'm, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but Mark Cahotes has some evidence that the guy who runs Silvergate was probably not, not the best person. Okay, fine. So that one probably need to go. Signature Bank, real bank doing real stuff. The percentage of crypto in that bank, tiny. The reason Signature Bank got taken over on Sunday, here's the weird thing. On Friday, we're talking about SVB. On Friday, we're all worried about SVB. And it was clear, in my mind, that JP Morgan was going to buy them the same way that they bought Washington Mutual and Bear Stearns and everybody else. Well, the feds blocked that for some reason. I'm still not 100% sure why. Um, and they said, no, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to guarantee the deposits. Okay. Now, I think they're still going to let JP Morgan buy the wealth management part of SVB. But, but quietly on Sunday night, and everything happens on Sunday. Why? Because every Sunday, every Sunday, the Council on Economic Stability meets. Well, what's the Council on Economic Stability? It's the head of the Treasury, the head of the Fed, and the head of the four biggest banks. And those six people meet, and they make all the big decisions. And that's why if you go back in history, every big announcement, Bear Stearns, Lehman, Washington Mutual, uh, Morgan Stanley, that's my, that's my favorite story. 
So remember when Morgan Stanley was going to be bought by Goldman Sachs? Right? That was that was going to happen. And it was rumored it was going to happen on Monday and credit default swaps were blowing out. This true story, John Mack, badass, John Mack, literally got on a plane, flew to Tokyo, got a handwritten check for $6 billion from Sumitomo and Shibishi Bank, flew back, deposited it, and said, I'm not fucking working for Goldman Sachs guy. Morgan Stanley still exists today. And you said, how do you know that, Mark? I'm like, because a guy I know was on the plane with him and carried the check in the briefcase, like with the handcuff, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, crazy stuff. So that, um, that set of crises always happens or resolutions always happens on Sunday night. So same thing happened here. But it wasn't Silicon Valley Bank on Sunday this time. It was also Signature. Signature was just shut down. Why? Now, Barney Frank comes out and says, well, because we do crypto. Okay, that, that makes some sense. So this operation chokehold is, let's get rid of all the fiat on-ramps and off-ramps. So then, okay, now there's, there's bids to buy Signature because it's a really pretty interesting bank. I mean, they got kind of some crappy real estate loans. I would be careful of that if I were a buyer, but okay, um, pay a low enough price. Uh, Howard Marks has a great line. There is no asset bad enough that you can't fix with a low price. Conversely, there's no asset good enough that you can't mess up with a high, too high a price. Um, so there's a right price for Signature Bank. But here's the thing. The rumor was you couldn't buy it unless you promise to shut down all crypto banking. Basically now treat crypto like they cre treat cannabis. You're not allowed to be part of the, the traditional banking system, except in certain states where now it's legal. But ultimately they're denying it. And that's back to the, you know, Shakespeare was right. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. So anytime someone denies something vociferously, <laughs> usually it's true. But even if it, even if it's not true, even if that isn't the requirement, the reality is the facts, the fact pattern suggests that this was a coordinated plan to shut down the fiat on-ramps and off-ramps. Now, if the people that are doing that believe that kills crypto, they just don't understand technology because it's literally like squeezing a balloon. The air just goes someplace else. So remember when China banned uh, exchanges, did exchanges cease to exist? No, they just picked up and moved to Korea and Japan and, and Eastern Europe. And we have more exchanges today than we've ever had. Um, yeah. They banned mining in China. What did miners do? They picked up and moved to West Texas and, and Kazakhstan. So we have more mining, we have more hash power than we've ever had in history. Right. So you can't kill a decentralized system. But what you can do is kill American competitiveness in the process if Ooh. you force it offshore. Yeah. Well, and to that point, um, I'm going on a spring break trip, uh, taking my son uh, for spring break. And, and, and I don't mean this in a threatening way, or not that anyone cares where I live, but we're actually going to a place to just see what it would be like. If, thing, if, if, if the the governments keep doing things that just make it not very much fun to be here from a taxation and a, 
you know, criminality perspective. Um, we're going to go check this place out. Now, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not moving to El Salvador with, with Max and Stacy. I know they love it, but uh, that's not the place we're going. But we're, we're going to another place that, you know, we'll see. And again, I Can you disclose at this time what that place I, is? Um, I, I, after I look at it, I'll let you know. All right. But, Anyway, but, but my point is, I don't want to leave, and I don't really think we're going to leave, and I don't think the government's going to do really stupid stuff. Look, lobbying, fancy word for corruption, is a really powerful thing. And the financial service companies, the banks, are paying lots and lots of money to Ms. Warren and et al. to try to make it really hard for them to be disrupted by this better technology. But the same way that the you know horse and buggy people tried to stop the horseless carriage didn't work. Same way the train companies tried to stop the airplane didn't work. The same way that the telephone companies tried to stop the internet it didn't work. This won't work either. The difference is size and scope and scale. Yeah. Transportation industry it's important, but it's not that big. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. Uh, air, airline industry, train industry. Okay, it's important infrastructure, but you know, there was there was pun. The internet, voice over IP. Yeah, okay, they figured it out. Financial services is big. It's big, and banking. And it's also now gl global and open source, uh, and something that's going to be happening all over the world, no matter what. Uh, the United States does. Listen, I want to jump in and just report on two stories here, one of which you flagged uh, to get your view of it. First, I just want to do a little bit of detail here uh, on what's happening uh, with the uh, with Ethereum just more generally. Ethereum developers have announced the date when we might see a double upgrade to the Ethereum blockchain. The Shanghai and Capella hard fork, known collectively as Chappella, is expected to replace uh, to put to be in place on April 12th uh, of this year. This will allow staked Ethereum be withdrawn for the first time. Obviously, this is a big deal in the transition from proof of work to proof of stake. Uh, the news comes as Arbitrum, uh, a layer two scaling solution for Ethereum, has announced a highly anticipated airdrop. It will take place next week on March 23rd. The defiance says Arbitrum will be governed by a newly set up DAO. Also, I wanted to touch on this story, Mark, because you flagged it for us uh, on you flagged it on Twitter and we picked it up and others have as well. The block reported earlier this week that Fidelity Investments, one of the world's f largest asset managers, started offering Bitcoin and Ether investment products to retail customers. All Fidelity customers can now trade those two cryptocurrencies on the Fidelity platform without paying any commission fees. Mark, this is a bullish sign. But what's the mark broader, wider market look like here? Uh, what's the level of institutional interest in crypto right now? And how might this uh, or might not this uh, create knock-on effects in the industry? Look, I mean, so many things there. One, uh, it's it, hashtag probably a fad, right? You know, clearly, the you know, largest asset manager or one of the largest asset managers in the world, uh, Fidelity, uh, making that available to all of their customers, it's not a fad, right? That's real. Uh, it's it's permanent, it's pervasive, and look, Fidelity's always been a leader, right? Great great leadership at the top. Um, you know, Abby is doing a great job. You know, she was early into crypto and Bitcoin in particular, and and you know at the family office level and and down into creating Tom Jessup and and his leadership with Fidelity Digital. 
fantastic, fantastic organization. So, so they're ahead of the curve again. And, you know, just that is so completely antithetical to the nonsense we hear spewed out of DC about the evils and it's only used for money laundering and, you know, all this stuff. And although I, I will say, Ash, that, you know, I, I used to make fun of those people because I was like, no, it's, it's, you know, if you want to do money laundering, you can use cold, hard cash, like physical money, because it's not traceable. You know, the fact that the Ukraine government sent money on chain to FTX, who sent it on chain to Alameda, who sent it on chain to a shell company owned by SBF, sent it on chain to a Democratic uh, party. That's stupid. I mean, if you're going to do money laundering, don't do it that way. But uh, but then I realized, well, the reason that she calls it money laundering because she has inside information. I mean, she's doing it. So that was the crazy part. But this yeah, the is over overwhelming amount of money laundering uh, in the world right now is done with treasury, uh, with uh, with physical banknotes, uh, U.S. dollars, euro. I mean, it's yeah, just uh, hundred dollar bills. I mean, and so yeah, vast majority. But but the the thing about this, I think that's interesting is uh, you're not putting this technology back in the box. You're not going to stop the people from diversifying a portion of their wealth, particularly into Bitcoin. Bitcoin is it's digital gold, right? It is a superior store of value. Now, look, I said, I, I'm going to take full credit for the 30% pump in the last week, you know, for Don my orange pants. But no, <laughs> reason it's up 30% is because the currency is being devalued again. When, when the currency is devalued, the price of Bitcoin goes up because we price Bitcoin in dollars. And for the same reason that there's never been a bear market in Turkey, because the lira just goes down and the price of Bitcoin priced in lira goes up, or Venezuelan Bolivar, same thing. There's never been a bear market there. So the reason there's a bear market in the U.S. is because we keep thinking that the Fed is actually going to shrink their balance sheet. They just reverse half. Yeah. of all the QT in the last three days, half, 300 billion, the largest increase in their balance sheet in the shortest amount of time in 50 years. So yeah, all of this is part and parcel of um, the technological innovation, the evolution of financial services onto blockchains, Look, every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every piece of art, every collectible car, every case of fine wine, every private business, every everything, everything that can be titled will be a token. Not a little round thing. A token is a line on a database yeah. in a public ledger on a blockchain. All of it will be tokenized. All of it will trade on blockchains. All of it. Like last, I'll give you an example. Last night. So... I have become, and it's one of the reasons I think Ethereum is, is pretty interesting, and I've become a pretty big on-chain monkeys guy. So I'm part of the on-chain monkeys community, and and uh, I started to build a collection, and uh, I was I was going to go on the OCM After Dark show last night, the spaces, but I was on a plane, and I missed it. And uh, someone had mentioned, hey, you know, you need to get one of these particular uh, trait uh uh, monkeys before, before they're gone. And so it was late. I mean, I got home late and I got to do it this weekend. I'm like, no, it'll take me like four and a half seconds. So open my Coinbase account. I convert from USDC to Ethereum. 
I transferred Ethereum to my Marquisco.eth and bang, I picked up my four new uh, favorite monkeys and part of the collection. Instantaneous versus <laughs> the first time I tried to transfer money from my bank, my money, well, it's not my money, it's the bank's money, to Coinbase. They said, oh, that'll be 14 days. Like, what do you mean 14 days? Like, what? Didn't you read the fine print? Like, of course I didn't read the fine print. No one reads the fine print. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's our, our option to hold the money for 14 days. Like, no, it's mine. Like, no, it's not. So, but the ease of moving, and it's not a lot of money, but, but the ease of moving that value from money assets to digital assets to digital stores of value was so easy and so instantaneous. And look, I'm an it's old totally, It's just totally yeah. flattened. That stack has totally flattened. And the distinction between uh, store of value uh, and uh, and digital assets uh, more generally, and also transactions. It's just all blurring. It's just a fascinating, fascinating time to be in this space. Hey everyone, we're gonna take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Hey Mark, we have a lot of folks who are asking questions that they would love for you to answer. You have a couple sure. minutes to do a quick speed round with us to see if we can get through oh, some of these. Yeah, always, always. All right, here we go. Day, but I know no one wants to talk to me all day, but I'll, I'll talk to you all day. I, I would too. I cancel, cancel lunch, man. Let's keep going. Uh, here's the first question on speed round. William Raphael on YouTube. What does Mark think about DeFi? Uh, look, DeFi is the future of finance, full stop, uh, but not tomorrow. And TradFi was great. Good 800-year run ending not over but ending cfi the transition between and coinbase the perfect example that's a cfi company kraken cfi company gemini cfi company um they're necessary because there are people take my dad my dad's never going to hold his own keys he's never going to have a ledger that's okay he says i like my bitcoin at coinbase he was oh it's not your bitcoin it's, it's not fine don't tell my dad he has no Bitcoin. He thinks he does. All good. So that TradFi to CFI, ultimately DeFi. DeFi is superior, but look, there's still holes. We just had another big hack. I feel bad for that guy. I mean, they just lost a bunch of money. Um, and until we have really, really secure um, systems of, of code audits and, you know, one of the one of the beauties of open source is the speed at which you can develop uh, new ideas and new businesses. And um, one of the challenges is there are still holes um, and, and still attack vectors. So ultimately, I believe DeFi is the future, right? Yeah. There, there's, there's, there's just no reason if I want to borrow money and this, this actually just happened to me. So uh, I've been a customer of, of my primary bank, bank, I don't like to name names, Bank of America, uh, for 25 years. And make a long story short, 10 years ago, I uh, did a adjustable rate mortgage. I didn't even know, I don't remember, I don't even remember doing it 10 years ago. And I had a 3.75% rate, got a letter the other day, said it's going to 7.75. Shit, probably should have paid attention, but I didn't pay attention. So I'm like, all right, refinance me. 
And through a long, torturous story, they don't want to refinance me because they're going to get paid 7.75. So they made my life miserable for a week trying to, I said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to go to a new bank. I'm going to transfer to a new bank. And didn't they that, Google you before they tried to do this? It, it's, 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 I, I can't, Ash, I can't explain. <laughs> and, and I don't mean this. It just, I, I can't explain. It's, it's crazy. It's just 25 years. Never missed a mortgage payment. What are you talking about? Anyway, so I'm going to a new bank. And, but the, just the hassle of having to physically go into this bank branch. And one of the interesting things I noticed as I'm, I'm setting up this new account is in this bank branch, my wife and I are sitting there filling out paper forms. Paper forms, right? Oh God, really? Um, there are eight people. Empty building, no other customers, none, zero. They're staffed as if bank runs were going to be like 1907, where people line up and have to be processed by a teller instead of push a couple buttons on their phone. Right. So that that old system, that antiquated system needs to be replaced. It needs to be to be moved on. And now all all these people will be displaced and but I shouldn't have to go in to borrow money. Yeah. From a house, right? I should be able to go peer to peer in a broad network on DeFi and it is coming. It is coming, but it's it's just going to take it's going to take time. Mark, and I've got to go into a bank branch sometime in the next uh, in the next week and get a check, a bank check for like eleven dollars and twenty two cents. Because every year when I threaten to leave New York City, think about going down to Miami uh, with everyone who uh, who is in the crypto industry, I resign my lease and they you know they up the rent a little bit every year, and I have to up my deposit and they want a paper check oh, to do no. it. Yeah, paper check. Yeah. Well, then that's a yeah. crazy stat. I think I think this is right. Uh, still, eighty eight zero percent of rent in this country is paid with a paper check. It's insane. It's insane. Absolutely insane. And okay, this is people good. listening to this. They're like, "What's a check? What are you talking about? What's a check?" So, yeah, I don't I don't have a checkbook. Well, no. and and to this, Ash, my granddaughter, my 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 newest granddaughter. So I have my three grandkids, um, but my newest granddaughter, you know, she's six months old. She's a, a Zoomer, right? A Gen Alpha. She will never have a leather wallet. <laughs> Think about that. She will never have a leather wallet. She will never have paper money. She will only live in a digital world. She will live in a DeFi world. So wildly bullish on DeFi, but it's going to be fits and starts. Yeah, my mother just told me that she uses Apple Wallet everywhere she goes now. Love it. I was very impressed by that. That is. Okay, this is going to be a tough question to do in the speed round, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Uh, this one comes to us from Arnold Vonlin on YouTube. Hi, Mark. I think that your forecast for the crypto spring slash summer is coming to fruition. The question I have is how will it be possible for the Fed to reduce inflation without facing bank runs? Uh, I don't know, $25 trillion question there. Thanks, Arnold. No, look, it's fantastic. So one, the Fed has nothing to do with inflation. Full stop. Fed didn't cause the inflation. So inflation was caused by the idiotic policies following uh, COVID, right? We, we, we turned the flu into a thing and we locked down the entire world and we made oil prices triple and we made used car prices double. That's what CPI is. Used car prices now are down double digits year over year. Oil prices are down. 
uh, all approaching double digits now year over year. So CPI is going to vaporize, it's going to vanish. But Mark, what about, you know, you, you talk about you went to lunch with your son-in-law last week and it cost $50 for street tacos. That's inflation. No, that's not. It's not inflation. That is not more demand. We're not eating more tacos. Okay, it's not limited supply. There's plenty of tacos. It's currency devaluation. That is what we have. And the currency devaluation is because of the amount of money that was printed. And so the Fed raising interest rates is not going to change any of that. The Fed raising interest rates, is it going to change the price of oil? No. Saudi Arabia determines the price of oil, right? Is it going to change the price of wheat coming out of Ukraine? Nope. Not going to change the price of wheat coming out of Ukraine. Is it going to change you know, minimum wage movement because the, 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 the left wants to raise minimum wages. By the way, price fixing is never a good idea. Not ever. Um, let the market decide. So it's a long-winded way of saying the Fed isn't involved in inflation. By the end of this year, inflation probably sub 2% CPI, because if you look at money supply growth 16 months out, which is now negative, that's what inflation looks like. So we had a big spike because we printed a lot of money 18 months ago. Now it's going to go away. So the bank runs are, are the problem because this, this chart, and I'm guilty, I sent the chart out, of the unrealized losses everyone's freaking out about. They're unrealized losses on money good assets. Stop, which is why the Fed did something really smart. And I don't, I don't actually say that very often. And I'm an oxymoron, you know, military intelligence jumbo shrimp. I shouldn't say that. I love the military. I actually really do. I shouldn't say that. Um, but uh, they said, you can give us these assets for 100%. And everybody said, no, that's wrong. Why can't, why can't I do that? I'm like, well, if you had a government bond, you could do it. Because that government bond, the Treasury can hold it forever, or the Fed could hold it until maturity, and it will be money good. The Fed, the, the government's not going to default on the debt because they'll just print more money to pay for the and yes, our money will go down in value, but the debt will be good. So the bank runs should stop unless we continue to panic needlessly by this nonsense thought that the banks are insolvent because there's a you know asset liability mismatch. Like, like some, oh, it's Larry Summers. <laughs> Look, this guy was the secretary of the treasury. And he said, you know, uh, SVB violated the fundamental premise of uh, uh, borrowing short and lending long. Larry, they violated the basic premise of being a bank. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, he's a really smart guy, but to say that is is inane. It's inane. And by the way, it was right about the one point nine trillion dollars in stimulus being inflationary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Mark. Let's end on this question. This one comes to us from Leslie Sensei on YouTube. Where does Mark get his socks? Ah. Mount socks, love them. They're they're my they're my good friends. I, I'm not a paid advertiser, although I guess technically, technically I'm I'm a, a mini influencer because they do send me socks on occasion, so I don't have to buy them as often. Um, but I don't get paid. But Mount socks, which is a great name, I mean great name, um, after Mount Gox. But uh, it's a uh, a guy who started a pretty interesting crypto company in the UK. He and and this woman Molly Spears. Um, 
run this thing as a side business and uh, they have the best crypto socks, the best. Fantastic. Obviously a great conversation as always. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with. So one, relax, enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Don't panic about the banks. Don't withdraw all your money. Uh, you know, continue to move capital into digital assets. It's a great thing, whether it's some Bitcoin as your, you know, opt-out capital to protect you from the ravages of, of currency devaluation. Uh, you know, buy some on-chain monkeys, be part of the community and be part of the family uh, or whatever else you you favor. Because it's about the community, right? That's what, that's what I love about that. It's not, it's not the monkey JPEG. It is the community that makes it special and the fact that we value good karma and we reward good karma in the in the community. I like that, um, but there are plenty of other good communities out there. Be part of those. Um, and continue to focus on, on the technology, right? On blockchain technology, on all the use cases for it. Uh, you know, healthcare is another example where it's just going to be totally revolutionary in terms of controlling our own data. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone earlier and they said they hadn't done the 23andMe yet. I'm like, well, don't, right? Why pay a company to sell your DNA to Merck for $1,000? Just sell it to them directly and get the $1,000 yourself. Um, but that's eventually coming. And uh, any any place where there's there's data that has value, that's all, that's what web three is. You know, web one was about connectivity. Web two was about centralized authority and ownership of data. Web three is about decentralized ownership, the ownership economy and the creator economy. And, and the last thing I'll leave you with, and this is Jim, you know, you should have Jimmy Song on sometime because he, he does this much better than I will. But if you're part of the fiat system, you're a slave. And I know it's a politically charged word. Nobody likes that word, but but you're a slave. You're a slave to the inflationary currency. Well, why is that bad? Well, use it or lose it, right? If you don't spend it, okay, they will devalue it through inflation. I thought inflation was good for me. They tell me it's good for me. No, it's not. On what planet is a system designed to steal half your purchasing power over 30 years good for you? On no planet is that good. It's an illusion, okay? The Fed was created in 1913 to steal your money. Great. So, and the Fed, Rudy Havenstein, which I guess Rudy's been banned from Twitter again. Come on, Jack. I mean, not Jack. Come on, Elon, get him back on. This guy is a national treasure. We need we need Rudy. But uh, ETF, hashtag ETF, and the Fed. The Fed is not federal. It has no reserves. It's not a bank. It is a cabal. I should, I'm not allowed to use that word. I, I I realize that I, someone told me that that's a trigger word for people of Jewish faith, so I don't mean to be uh, critical. Uh, so that cartel, because uh, I'm going to make people in South America mad. So that that group, that group, um, is 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 not it's not a bank. It's owned by the banks and a bunch of wealthy families, including the Rothschilds, um, and it it's basically a get rich slow scheme for them. So uh, protect yourself from that by opting out for a portion of your wealth, but also um, focus on this, this long-term movement away. The same thing that the internet did to media and commerce, blockchain does for financial services. And financial services is the largest business in the world, bar none. And as we move to a decentralized future, 
we all become owners. And what, and what Jimmy talks about is if you're, if you're a slave to that fiat, then you spend your life working and spending. Whereas if you can have your money in a deflationary system, mm. your money works for you and then you can unleash creativity. And so, you know, everyone's freaking out about AI and they're freaking out about crypto and, and it's going to, you know, it's going to, all these jobs are going to, we're going to have more jobs than we've ever had. By the way, today, despite all the technology that's come before us, there are more jobs in the world today than any time in human history. It's truth because we're creative and we build new businesses and we build new ideas. And when you unleash the potential of human creativity through an inflation, through, through a deflationary system, the world becomes amazing. And so on St. Patrick's Day, wear no the green, have a Guinness, have a great weekend, watch a lot of Real Vision, get smarter, education is the key. That's a lot of rambling to, to end the show. Well, couldn't agree with you more about education. We just had Jimmy Song on a few weeks ago. He's great as always. There you go. Wonderful conversation. Can't wait to have you on the new show. Thank you so much again for joining us, Mark. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ash. Enjoy. That's it for today's show. Remember to sign up for Real Vision Crypto. Go to realvision.com forward slash crypto. We have an exciting announcement to make about this show. As always, we continue to listen to your feedback. So from next week, we're going to be laser focused on the big, interesting, and promising developments in this space with a show many Real Vision subscribers already know called Cryptoverse. So while we won't be on the air every weekday at exactly the same time, You'll get this, the highest end crypto coverage with the smartest names in this space, which is, of course, what Real Vision is known for. And whenever there is big news, we'll be here to analyze it with flash updates. Tune in next week for the new Cryptoverse. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody. If we want to change the outcomes for this really screwed up world, where our wages don't go up, where we're being replaced by technology, where governments are massively in debt and we foot the bill via taxes, where we see debasement of assets so we can't afford as many assets as we like. So the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. If we don't like to see the rise of populism based on this broken society because the promises of the future have been broken, let's make our promises to our future selves come right. And that's by unfucking your future. Some of this is going to really f your future in 20 or 30 years time, but we've got time to figure that out because it's unstoppable.